Hey, hey, hey. Okay, so we have another amazing person that I get to share during Caretober. Um, this person, when I first met her, like I was obsessed. I was obsessed with all things her. I was like, I need her to teach me her ways. I was like, I feel like I need to book a whole new flight so I can like really get her essence. And I'm just so excited to just share her, share her with you, share her passion, her mission, and just like the spirit that she has. So I'm going to cue the intro and we'll be right back. Hey guys, Carrie here, and welcome to the Visibility Playground podcast. The podcast that shares visibility journeys of entrepreneurs and teaches listeners how to use visibility to build their brand and attract an audience of raving fans and customers. Every week, we will be bringing you stories and advice from entrepreneurs who've achieved visibility success, as well as helpful tips and strategies to help you grow and scale your business and really get it in the way that you always wanted. So join us and let's create a world where your story of your business is seen and heard. Naima! Hey, Carrie! (laughs) (laughs) So I met you in person at Marketer's Heart. Mm -hmm. But I start hearing the buzz about you maybe like about three, four months before. And they were like, do you know Naima? And I'm like, no, I haven't met her before. And they're like, she's so, she's so amazing. I'm like, okay. I was like, well, maybe I'll see her. I was like, I was like, she's in the space. So she'll probably be at Marcus Hart. They're like, yes, she'll be there. And then they were like, they were like, she's Italian. I'm like, like, (laughs) okay. when we came, when I came to Market is Hard and I saw you, literally, I was like, this is like Black Girl Magic, Italiano, mm-hmm. all like in one just beautifulness. And I was like, I'm sold. Uh, <laughs> I was like, it's a yes for me. <laughs> You're so sweet. It was, and it was just like, I remember I was like, I was like, there's just something about her. Like I'm telling, like I was telling her, I was like, she just has like this, this thing, this like this. It's she, she walk, it walks her talk, the way she does everything. It's just like it's just this thing. I was like, it's, I'm like, I think it's the Italian. I was like, it's something about that. It just does it. I was like, well, maybe if I go to, <laughs> go to Italy, <laughs> it'll rub some of that Italian passion on me. And I was no. like, yes. And it's like, and then just to be able. I think like the pinnacle moment of like really where I was like, yep, she's it. She's a lifer was um, the last night at Marketer's Hall. Oh, we had that dinner. <laughs> that dinner was insane. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. So when good. we had the dinner, I think for me, I was like, yep, I'm sold on her. And mm-hmm. like from there, it's just like we've just been able to um, really create this beautiful friendship and just have just really deep conversations about life and about business. And I really appreciate you. And I'm so grateful just to have you in my life. So. Oh my um, goodness, Carrie, I was completely starstruck. I mean, you were on that stage at Marketer's Heart and, um, you know, larger than life, but you always are a little bit larger than life. When you walk into any room, it just kind of like Carrie's has arrived. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and I see that in, in all of the, different uh, people that you've worked with that you touch I mean this infectious fabulous energy of just it's it's not positivity it's it's beyond that it's just like this lust for life that's probably the best way I can put it which is just fabulous see see this is see, this is 
this is that Italian lust for life. See, I wouldn't even need to write that down. I need to add. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, I mean, um, being Italian, and I'm Italian by by marriage, not obviously by, by birth. I'm from East Africa in uh, Somalia, and um, I met my husband in the Middle East. And then, so yeah, long story short, that's how I beca became Italian. But you're right, there's something in the way they do things there, whether it's, we were just talking about this before we, we, we started the, the, the this recording. Everything is done with... I think in other countries they might call it with intention, but everything in Italy is more like it's with passion. So people don't just like roll out into the street, you know, they dress, you know, there's that little scarf action going or, you know, the, the perfect matching, you know, purses with, with the shoes. And, and in the food, it isn't like quantity. It's always like little tasters of, you know, it's all kind of like a little delicate. Um, it's, yeah, it, and everything is done with that kind of passion, which uh, which which I adore, including, obviously, conflict. Did you do that with passion too? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's not like all beautiful and wonderful things, but whatever they do, it's, uh, and yeah, and it's, you know, talk with hands and just like everything in the exact polar opposite to say, um, the UK, where everything is mm. like restrained and you know stiff upper lip and you know that that kind of thing. So yeah, it's, it's it was um, it was this movie that I was watching one time. It was like when I was very young, and it was an Italian movie, and like they were arguing, and it was just like this, and I was like. I, like, but I loved it. I was like, I loved every minute of it. Like, it was just like, I was like, if you can put passion, the same passion, and they put the same passion in everything that they do, I was yeah. like, this is. I was like, it's not just like, oh, I'm, I'm upset, so I'll be like, it's like, no, you're gonna get this, this high volume of passion in all things. And, <laughs> <laughs> totally. And, yeah, and I just, I just love that about yeah. about the about the Italian culture, and I think it's like why I've always been somewhat obsessed with the Italian culture and the Sicilian culture for that reason, because I'm just like, I love the passion they put behind everything. And I feel like for me in business, like that's like always my thing. Like I want, and I remember, I think I was, I was in college and I was sitting, I was sitting on a porch with my dad and I had just changed my major the, the last time to humanistic psychology. And he was like, hearing he's like you keep changing your major he was like you need to start really thinking about like what what are you about to do like how are you going to make money to live off of and I, would, I remember telling him I was like well dad like whatever I do I want to be passionate about it and I remember he looked at me and he was like and he, and my my dad was born in 1950 like he went to the military at 18 like he's always been like I need to earn a living I need to, like, we need to be able to support our family and things like that. So when I was like, I, I told him, I was like, I never want to work anywhere that doesn't truly light me up. And I never want to do anything that doesn't light me up. And I feel like for me, it was like, that was like my internal Italian coming out <laughs> at that moment. And I remember like, there's been so many times that I have been put in situations 
where I looked around, I was like, I don't want to, I don't like this. Like even in my business, when I kind of tore it down and started it back up, it was that same philosophy of like, okay, yeah, we're making $50,000 a month, but I literally hate every part about it. Hmm. And I was like, if I'm over here telling my dad now that he's passed away, I'm like, I told him that before he passed away. I can't just be now be like, all right, I'm going to not live my passion where I was like, nope, let's tear it down and start it over again. And I think for me, it was like, that's that internal Italian out of me. And I think that's why like I was very gravitated towards you because I was like, she, she's in the culture and stuff. And literally, like I said, 2023, I'm going to Italy. Like, I, I, we're, we're going. We're going. And I want to hit all the places. Like, I want oh. to be there. Like, you, I'll probably be there for like a month. I, need, I think I want to do a month in Italy because I just want to love all it. the places. You'll have to keep that. <laughs> You'll have to keep me posted because I'm going to try and meet up with you when you're there and like show you my version of Italy. <laughs> That's what I want. Like I, yeah. like, I want to literally like get lost there. Like I mm. just like, I don't want to do like, I want to get lost. I want to go to like the side streets and find the yeah. bakeries that like th like the locals go to like that's what i want because like that's the experience that i see and i'm like that's it like i don't yeah. want to do the touristy stuff maybe like one, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. like maybe like a, yeah. a couple of days of that and then everybody's oh. like <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be amazing you'll love it <laughs> yes um so how did you so for the people who don't know you how did you get into what you do? Because you do so many amazing things. Like you literally are skilled in so many things. So kind of what was your path to like coming into the online space? And like how like how have you kind of found like your space in it? Hmm. Um, so I was one of those very few people who actually loved her corporate job. I loved my nine to five. And my, I used to work as a um, IT uh, strategy director. So I did all of the um, application development stuff before it was called, before they were called like apps and they were like sexy. Uh, they were just like programs back then and, you know, databases and, you know, kind of like back office stuff. Um, so that's what I used to do for a living uh, when we lived in Dubai. Then my, my husband moved away from where we were living and I had to leave my corporate job. Up to that point, we were lucky that um, our careers moved to the same locations. Um, and then, so that's how I ended up working online was I took a couple of the clients that I was already working with and started to work remote again before remote was a thing <laughs> way back uh, in the day. Um, and then ended up, I did a couple of uh, KDP books um, um, under a pen name because I was too um, shy to embarrassed almost to say like, who am I to be writing a book and who am I to be creating a course, you know, exactly the kind of visibility thing that you talk about. Um, and I just really started to love that process of creating these step-by-step, -step, um, systems, especially for women like me who had been in a corporate world who identified in a certain way who identified as a director and I'm, I'm, I'm a leader and I'm a corporate this. And, and then suddenly you're no one, you know, you're like nobody because you don't have that title and organizational structure that's following you around. Mm -hmm. um, so I started to, to create courses and, and coaching programs for exactly that kind of person. So that's how I ended up, you know, basically scratching my own itch, if you like. <laughs> no, I love, I love that because I feel like a lot of times coming from corporate 
and I love I love that you were able to kind of create that transition because a lot of times people coming from corporate, they don't always see the skill sets that they have in corporate and how that can actually be interchanged into actually doing it for yourself. Yeah. So I love that you were able to be like, oh, I can just remote this thing, take a couple of my people with me, and then mm-hmm. like let's let's just start it up. And then I know that like, because how many courses do you have now? Oh my gosh, I don't know, 70, 80, something like that. Um, and <laughs> yeah, my, 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 my coach actually challenged me to just reuse some of the stuff I already have instead you know, of creating new stuff. Because I, I create new courses literally once a month. And I have a, um, I run a membership called uh, Business Execution Accelerator Beach uh, for short. And um, we do a new workshop every month. So I'm literally churning out a new course uh, once a month. So, I mean, that membership has been running for four years. So do the math. <laughs> it's a lot of courses. And and some of these I put out as a standalone workshop. Some of them I do them live. Some of them I, I do them as like bundles and, and so on. We were in tiny um, toolkit, tiny team toolkit uh, together as well. You yes. Showcase to my email list. Yeah. So I, lot, I, I love that. That was so fun. I yeah. had so much fun doing that. Yeah. Like I was yeah. like, this is cool. I was like, because I've never done a bundle before. So yeah. it was kind of yeah. cool to be able to be a part of it and like just see just even just the amount of people that I think we had like over 70 people already at, like get their bundle. And we're like, this is super cool. It is. It is. It is. It is quite fun. So. So yeah, uh, just under 9000 students last time I looked in my uh, courses. So we're. We're getting there, you know. Maybe we'll hit that 10k number before the end of the year, and then statistic that I can add. But yeah, yes, it's good fun. <laughs> okay, so what would be the one thing that you would tell somebody who's maybe in corporate, loves their job, but feels like they have a calling to do more? Like, what would you say is something? What would advice would you give them? Uh, to start small. To start small, one of the problems I feel coming from corporate is we used to big things, um, you know, projects are like two years long and, you know, pro- programs cost $250,000 and everything's big. So one of the first things that I would advise is to start with something super, super small, uh, whether it be like um, um, just create an ebook around one particular thing that, you know, someone already has on their to-do list to take care of or to-be list or, you know, that kind of thing something really small and to use that to then run through the entire process of taking something from idea to get it to market whether it be a free thing or a paid thing doesn't matter is to just to go through the process of creating it and saying this is done because that's the other problem with people coming from corporate nothing ever finishes on time right there's committees and there's like restarting and then there is project budget and everything just takes forever so that's the first piece of advice so pick something tiny and then take it from beginning all the way to getting it to market i love that i love that because i i remember my first my first thing was um we created our first template shop and it was not small and I, it was not it was not small at all and i remember the tears that I shed at that. I feel like I'm always shedding tears for my own actions of making things bigger than what they should be. 
Yeah, like, even yeah. when we just finished the quiz, the last quiz, I'm like, why did we do this to ourselves? No. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, we have like, so Bright Carey was like, oh, for every, we'll have a results page and then I'll create a magazine that goes with it. So like, there's a 31 page magazine for all 12 archetypes. Oh my goodness. See, that that's that's crazy amount of work. And it's beautiful, by the way. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's just stunning, <laughs> stunning. And I was like, <laughs> like that. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. And it, we finally got done. Now it's done. I'm like, okay. And then literally I had a moment where I was like, Crystal, we should do another quiz. And she was like, Carrie, 1240, 1242 on, and she gave the date. Do you remember? I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what I was like, write this time down of the tears. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, that's the problem. It, it, in fact, back, um, so what we used to say in corporate when they ask you for um, a project timeline, like the estimates as well, think about how long it's going to take you, double it, and then add another 30%. That's how long it's going to take. So we need to do the reverse. It says, whatever it is, cut it in half and then take off a third and then do that piece. <laughs> and that, that's the product you should start with. Yeah. It's going to get you in trouble. Okay. So Black Friday is coming up. I know you deal a lot with people getting ready for Black Friday. Mm -hmm. um, two part question What advice do you have for people? Because we all know that everybody's last minute, even though we say we're not, um, for Black Friday to be ready. What would be your advice to those people? And then what do you have coming up for Black Friday? Oh, cool. So um, the advice that I have for, and this is what I just taught um, in this past uh, session last week uh, to, to my membership, is grab something that you've already sold before something that already works you don't have to do something new it's crazy as humans you know it's like oh did this work it did it did i launch it this way and it went well yes oh then let me do something completely different yeah <laughs> it's <pretty much>. what? <laughs> so I go back. yeah so go back and um so what, what i would do is i would have you go through a process of inventorying everything that you have that's sellable um, and then you're going to grab those and you're going to narrow that list down by looking at everything that already has a sales page because then you don't have to do any work for it whatsoever. And then all you have to do literally is create a Black Friday coupon. That's it. And then take all of those, stick them onto a single, like a, like a storefront page that's just for Black Friday, and then run that. Or even simpler, if you already have um, um, a shop or like a, something like a Teachable or Thinkific or whatever, just create a system-wide coupon and say everything's off 30% off. Everything is X amount of whatever off. And then you're finished. <laughs> That's it. That could take an afternoon to set up. And then you're, you're done. Saying is that I'm done. I, yeah. You're saying I'm ready for Black Friday. Interessante. Yeah. And then. So, this, so let me tell you what Carrie said. Carrie said to herself yesterday. <laughs> I'm like, I think I want to redo the Shopify store. Change some stuff up a little bit for Black Friday. Why? Why? There's like zero reason to reinvent the wheel. <laughs> I'm just, just going to redesign it all. Oh, my um, goodness. I mean, <laughs> when you walk into a store, if you go into a clothing store, okay, um, you don't know whether they had like the, the red tops sitting in that part of the store or if it was in a different part of the store. It doesn't matter because when you're looking for a red top, you're going to find the thing. So please don't redesign the shop. 
it makes it makes zero difference other than making you feel that you're doing something. And, and so, but get it ready, get the coupons and all of that done. And then if you want, with all of that time left over, then if you, well, you want know, to do the only The thing about Shopify, to make my little coupons, it's only five minutes. Exactly. So then so, I, so I have time to read. And, and instead of redoing it, spend that time creating uh, some pre-launch content, some pre-sale yeah. content, you know, sending out some emails, making cute little graphics. That's way more fun than messing around with a Shopify store. There yeah, that's what you I was thinking about. Content. Like, I was like, I was going back and forth. And I'm like, hmm. Because I'm like, I have some ideas of how to kind of change it up a little bit. Because the one thing that I w was thinking about doing was also creating some microservices as well to put on mm -hmm. Shopify and also mm -hmm. um, I have some trainings that I've done before that I was going to put on Shopify as like um, paid trainings and then there was a couple ones that I wanted to record that was like maybe it take me an hour to record each of them I think it's like 30 mm -hmm. and I was like this will actually help me in other places too because like the one thing that people always ask me is like Carrie how do I choose my brand colors and mm -hmm. I'm like and I can tell them really easy, but I'm like, it would be really quick to be like, hey, I have a little training, our training on it in the Shopify store. Go check it out. That would be fantastic. And then if you take that and you bundle that with a mm -hmm. few of your pre-built templates, you know, here's for the person who's rebranding or, you know, just wants a, a color, not a full rebranding. Maybe they just want a color refresh. Um, and you could build an entire bundle around that. Again, you don't have to do any work other than you know, create a new collection that's made up of these three or four different things for a specific avatar. Um, so that would be a really fun little thing to do to make those same items go a little bit further, bundling them in different ways. I do like that a lot. Yeah. So there might be a couple tweaks that I make on the Shopify, but it'll be easy tweaks because it's a couple of tweaks that would be two. Okay, a few. Two. <laughs> I see like five, like I see like, but, but it's just gonna, like, I see like adding a couple more sections to the Shopify store and then changing yeah. some of the collections. Yeah. Like that's yeah. kind of what I'm seeing. Oh like, yeah. Crazy. I think the collections would be time well spent Yeah, to, 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 to refresh them a little bit. Yeah. That's the thing I've been looking at. I'm like, hmm, cause I, I haven't, especially now I'm adding the services. I feel like kind of creating mm -hmm. service products, templates. Yeah. Will, will work better and cleaner. I love that. Okay. Yeah. So, so what are you doing for Black Friday? Um, so um, I'm, I'm, I've got a launch of, uh, no, it's not really a launch, but I'm opening the doors once again to my beach uh, program, but that's probably a little bit before Black Friday, actually about a couple of weeks before Black Friday. Um, before or after? I, I think it's probably going to be before. Um, and then some of my more popular programs, live challenges, I'm going to be selling those as well. Mm. So yeah, I'm working on the little store front as we speak. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. Black Friday is always so much fun. Actually, for me, my birthday, so your birthday is in October. My birthday is in December. Oh. And I start the party at, like in mid-November, end of November. So anytime from like the 15th or, you know, which goes back to when we used to live in Dubai, there was a big uh, rugby tournament that happened at the end of November. 
that party started for me there <clears throat> all the way through December. And then of course it's the holidays and, and it's just like that nonstop six weeks is always Ugh. a lot of fun. I know, I feel like this six, this Caritober was different because I was working so much. Cause like one of my sister had her big event. So we had like the 150 person event like um, last Sunday. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm, so we were like planning and getting that stuff ready. So, and then like, I look up and I'm like, oh, my birthday's in three days. I'm not prepared oh. <laughs> for my, <laughs> and then I'm, I'm still in Atlanta and I was supposed to be back in Denver. So I'm like, okay, now I need to do this birthday thing. I was like, I might do it when I go back. Cause I was supposed to be doing like a dinner with some of my friends. So now I'm like, mm -hmm. so, well, but, the entire month is yours. Now so. the cool part is I'm at my sister's house. So I'll be rummaging through her closet doing reels and stuff in her stuff while she's gone. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're hilarious. I love it. <laughs> so oh, I'm funny. actually winning in that part. And she's like, what you? and literally before she left, I was like, oh, yeah, I can probably go grab some stuff out your closet and do some reels. And she's just looking at me like, really? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> like, what? How fun to play dress up and do reels. I, I know. In, in my sister's closet, it has like all the best clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the stuff that I want to have, but she's like, heck no about that I can now play in and like have pictures in and stuff. So I'm excited. <laughs> it should be fun. <laughs> okay, so big question. Mm -hmm. And this is a question that we've been asking everybody um have you ever had any fears around visibility and if so how did you get over them Ooh, well yes plenty it took me two years to change the, the description in linkedin after i quit corporate again because that identity shift is hard yes um, yeah so what i what got me around it was like i said this creation process um, I was fortunate enough to, uh, we were in Turkey and I ran a workshop for expat spouses like me, right? And I taught them all, gave them a crash course on WordPress. And we did like a four hour thing in my living room at my, my house and everybody had their laptops and we just kind of, they built out a small one page WordPress website. And that was what got me hooked. So I started to do more of those. So I think that when you are struggling with visibility it's because you don't know you don't connect with the real reason to be visible yeah uh, we're told go be visible you know so that you can increase the know like and trust factor so that you can build authority and it's like yeah but i don't feel particularly authoritative and and why would anybody want to know me anyway so by saying be visible you're actually playing straight into those fears Mm -hmm. uh, that stopped them from being, and, and it just kind of like compounds. So they force themselves to, I'm going to go live. I'm going to do a video challenge and go live once, it, but they don't feel it. However, yeah. if instead of making it an outcome-based process, meaning um, like an outcome-based goal of saying you must be visible, you must become visible. If we break that down into more of a process type of goal of saying you don't have to be visible, but how about you create one piece of content about X? Yep. And that's it. Just do that and then don't do anything else. Now take and, then, and, and just break that down into the smallest of steps with the ultimate reason being 
get people in front of this product of yours. And no one is going to do that unless they are excited about the product. If I love the thing that I created and I'm like literally squealing with delight about it, then visibility is not going to be an issue because I can't wait to tell everyone. Like when you did your quiz and when you're doing your archetypes, right? You were like, listen, 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 check this out, right? You don't have to get them to become visible. Mm-hmm. They will be visible without even trying because they're excited about what they've created. So once again, it takes me back to that, create that one small thing and then show everyone. Doesn't have anything to do with authority, nothing to do with that because you are not your product. People buy the product and when they buy the product, they fall in love with you. Yeah. Versus doing it the other way around. I love that. Yeah. So I, that's love, I love <laughs> I love that. And it's funny because like, I think a lot of times visibility is just that, and I, it's funny because people call me the visibility alchemist. You are. Uh, <laughs> but like, I always tell people like visibility is not as hard as people make it. Visibility is being able to look around and asking, realistically, I tell people visibility is actually really understanding your numbers. Oh, totally. Oh my gosh. Yes. Because like the only reason why people want to be visible is because they have a revenue goal that they have set. So the question that you have to ask yourself is first, what is your revenue goal? What, what is your revenue goal and what are the products that you have to be able to hit that revenue goal? Part two of that is what is your conversion rate mm-hmm. when you're selling those products? Once you understand that, then it's being able to understand what, how many sales do you really need to have? So let's say you're like, okay, I want to do $10,000. I have um, one product that's $1,000. I have a 10% conversion rate. Well, yeah, I have a 10% conversion rate. That means that I need to get in front of 1,000 people to see my product to get those 10 people to buy. Yep. Okay, so then now you're hopping back over to your visibility side and you ask yourself, okay, I need to get in front of a thousand people that hear me. Yep. So realistically, you probably need to get in front of 2,000 people. Minimum. So what are the ways for you to get in front of 2,000 people? Well, mo- well what, what happens is most people, they'll go online and they'll be like, I'll just post my stuff online. But if you haven't created the credibility and things like that, you po- or you don't have a a strong organic strategy of content, those 12 times of, those 12, t- like those, um, if you don't have a clear visibility strategy, you being able just to create content isn't going to work. So you have to ask yourself, like, do I have, like, what is my clear visibility strategy? Who, like, how can I get in front of these 4,000 people. And then you have to ask yourself this next question, who are the people that are in my world who are strategic partners that I can leverage maybe their audiences to now get in front of people that are going to have a better credibility source for me? Who Mm -hmm. are the people, like, is there any speaking events, podcasts, or episodes that I can do that's going to create these credibility sources for me to increase visibility? But Mm -hmm. a lot of times we only think about social media and I always tell people there's four different parts of visibility that we should be looking at, but we on, but most people only look at one. And I always say, yeah. like, when you look at all four, I call it the visibility flywheel. We're able to hit these different prongs 
to really make sure that you're flying in people's world because you really like realistically they said it's 12 to 14 touch points. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times if you're just posting on social media without a clear strategy, those 12 touch points can take months and years to happen. Yeah. But you have to make sure that like you're creating content first that are going to make them keep coming back even when they're not ready to buy yet. And yes. then you need to have other things happening in your world that's showing them, I want to work with this person. Oh my gosh, I didn't know this person did this, stuff like that. Or I trust Naima. Naima trusts Carrie. All right, I'm going to trust Carrie too. Yes, yes, yes. The referral network too. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, you said something really important there, Carrie, about the 12 touch points and, and people who are potentially not ready to buy. Those 12 touch points not only serve as a qualifier so that by the time they hit your sales page, they are ready for that sales page versus, you know, kind of just blasting it in front of them when they're not ready. And a lot of people do ignore the people who are already in your world that you don't need to bring in fresh from social media. Mm -hmm. um, there are email lists that are sitting around not doing anything, people that um, you may have uh, met at an event. I and mean, there's just a lot of other people in your network that tend to be ignored. And what you said is exactly right. People just think it's social media. It, it isn't. There's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, because like how many times have you launched something to your list of people and like you feel like you've done, you feel like you have marketed it, you have put it out there, and then people come up to you and be like, oh, I didn't know you were doing that this week. Like, I didn't even see anything about it. Exactly. So it's like, so it's like you want, like I always tell people, like the two things that you want to focus on is yes, you want to make sure that you have a organic traffic strategy, but if you're trying to get somewhere fast, fast, ask yourself, who are the who are your strategic partners in your world? that you can share leverage their audience because mm -hmm. you are you already have been able to been created a credibility source by knowing that somebody that their friend that your friend trusts you. So they're gonna be like, well they trust you. Oh Naima said Naima's um having this girl come in. I let me listen to what this girl has to say. Yeah. Um I did a um a two hour workshop in um one of my friends um Marcosi's community and I had literally like 15 phone like 15 sales calls afterwards because they were like well if night like Marcosi's just not having anybody in here like let's see what this girl like, like, like okay I like what she has to say and so I'm going to be there and I'm going to actually reach out to her yes. Absolutely. Yep, yep. Other people's audiences, adjacent markets you know, people that are not in necessarily who are in, again in adjacent markets who are not necessarily direct competition, or just your friends. <laughs> your right? peeps, call your peeps up. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And I think for me, like I always tell people, like if you're not ready to be in the public eye, your relationships and connections, and even 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 doing just interviews and stuff like that that can give you the visibility necessary to hit your revenue goals. You Absolutely. don't have to be on social media and stuff like that. That is a method of it. All of it ties together. But you don't, like, it's not a necessity when you're hitting, when you're leveraging the other visibility approach. Yeah. Agreed. Yep. Yep. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Visibility isn't as hard as it's made out to be. It's actually Yeah. People make it hard. I'm like, it's not yeah, hard. Yeah, like, yeah. It's yeah, it's yeah. simple. It's it's math. Like visibility is all math, because like a lot of times, like it's all understanding what it, 
what are your numbers? Do you know your conversion rates? Do you know how many sales that you need to get? Okay, these are the people that you need to get in front of. If you have that in your network, leverage just leverage your network. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> numbers are one of my love languages too. So yay, metrics. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. It's like, not working. You like numbers? They're like, here you like numbers? You do branding and stuff. I was like, I like, I like, I like to do stuff with intention. So that's why I like numbers. Yes, with intention. Like, I, I love just feel like just be that. out here. Like yeah, I have yeah. other stuff to do. Like <laughs> <laughs> okay, so where can people find you? Like what? Um, yes. So my handle, my handle, gosh, I'm, I'm showing my age. My username, we used to call them handles back in the day. Um, it, it's at naima.co on Instagram, on Facebook, um, LinkedIn, Twitter. It's all naima.co. And they can, you can find me at my website, naima.co, um, which, you know, naima.co, get it? Ha, ha, ha. Um, <laughs> And if you are a person who's in corporate or who's just still can't quite get their head around what they need to start with, um, you know, creating these little baby products, there's a product decision calculator that people can sign up for and use to to get out of that indecision. Should I do this? Or maybe I should do this. Or maybe I should do this. Oh, I want to do all of it. I'm going to do something super big. <laughs> right. This is going to help you narrow that down and pick one thing that you can take to market quickly. And then you have a Trello thing too. I do. I do. My microsite planner, because that's the other thing that people think that if I want to, you know, if I used to do this kind of thing and now I want to do a slight pivot to this kind of thing, they feel they have to rebrand the whole thing. I'm like, no, you don't need to rebrand the whole thing. You just need a tiny little microsite. And that Trello board helps people do exactly that to just kind of, it's a, I call it a, a Trello game board because it feels like a game board because you go from one spot to the other. Uh, to help you plan that out. Yeah. I love it. Um, Naima, thank you for hanging out with me today. Like, thank you for hanging out. Thank you for saying yes to October. Um, mm -hmm. Thank you for just being a part of my world. Guys, I hope you get to see why I love Naima and why I was super excited to share her with you amazing people. And I'm going to say bye to Naima, and we will see you on the next amazing person that we have to share during October. Thank you, Carrie. Bye, guys. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Visibility Playground podcast. If you're now like, oh my gosh, I'm ready to dive into my visibility, or you're just like, I just want to assess where I am in my visibility journey, take the Visibility Vitals Check Quiz. You can go to www.visibilityvitalquiz.com. I will make sure that I put it in the show notes, but make sure that you go take the quiz, DM me, let me know how it went. Talk soon.